Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode five of the Probably Honest podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Mark. How are you doing? Uh, I feel tired and, as a consequence, a little bit emotional today. How do you feel? I'm a bit tired in a good way. Been working all day. Good things are happening. And... Yeah, it's technically my weekend now because I don't work on Fridays because I'm a part-timer. Mm. Or to be more exact, I'm a broke freelancer. Mm. Mm. I didn't get to give them the the wage. They mm. gave me the wage. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I'm not answering the question properly. No, I'm, all, I'm all right. Nice. I'm happy. Nice. That's good. That's good. Are you happy on the whole? Hmm. Difficult, difficult to say. Uh, I, w- I would say I'm broadly content with my life. At the broadly moment, content. But I am, I feel quite tired, a bit overwhelmed. Um, mm. yeah. And, I, and I, th- I think this is a consequence of burnout. I've had, I've had quite uh, a busy, intense, I would say five to six weeks where it just feels like it's been uh, work, social occasions, uh quite a compulsive exercise at the moment so i've thrown that into the mix as well and then trying to maintain recovery uh also go to church as well so that's that's taking up a lot of my time as well at the moment um so yeah i feel i feel like i've i've spent a bit too long doing stuff you know yeah which i think is a i think is a danger of recovery is the addiction to doing stuff in fact i think you were talking about this yesterday Absolutely, in the place that no one knows that we go to. Yeah. I think a lot of people are very similar in the place at the moment. 
we've gone from a year and a half of like either nothing but working, not really going out, and then that becomes the kind of quite tired but working life, mm. or suddenly everything you're able to kind of experience the summer properly almost. Yeah, absolutely. And working a lot, you kind of got the same moment, the the same momentum of working as well. Mm. Throwing in the being busy, the socialising. Mm. Uh, I'm burnt out definitely. Mm. I'm like really trying to ignore the thoughts that, that I recognise, <laughs> thanks to meditation. Mm. I recognise that these thoughts are just tiredness and burnt out and overdoing it. I've definitely overdone it. Um, and just a few weeks of just exercising, co- smashing coffee, working a lot, waking up stupidly early, getting straight to work pretty much, yeah. working all day long, then kind of trying to keep a tab on the other stuff, whether that's relaxing, hanging out with friends, seeing my girlfriend, uh, working on hobbies and doing things like that, and suddenly you're like your life becomes very chaotic. And by by you know the day ends at ten eleven o'clock at night, and say ah oh, time to relax, and I just pass out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wake up and do it all over again. Yeah, yeah. So I feel you, bro. Mm, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I feel like it's I can feel the the stress and the busyness in my chest moment just from like just from too much stuff. Because it's like, it's a choice, like it is at some level, it's a choice to be like this as well. Like I want to be doing lots of stuff and I want to have a full life and I want to be um, busy all the time. But I, I really balance sometimes is just, I think, I think I, I wave at balance as I, I pass by it whilst I'm swinging wildly on a pendulum between busyness and extreme lethargy. Do you get sometimes so busy in your head or or literally busy that you feel like self-care is a chore yes yeah yeah, yeah. yesterday yeah. before the meeting i was like oh, <laughs> i'm gonna go to this meeting and look after myself <laughs> yeah and I, I felt amazing afterwards yeah yeah, me too, actually. yeah. yeah. I, it's it's funny isn't it when stuff like that becomes like oh i'm Something else I'm not fucking doing is self-care. Mm-hmm. I remember they sent, um, I remember they set as one of our objectives uh, in work, like ma- uh, managing mental health on our teams. And they turned it into like this exercise that we were doing at work um, for, for a certain level of managers. I'm at like low level managers. And, um, and I remember us joking about how stressful the uh the management of mental health or the negative impacts that the management of mental health was having on our mental health because what a fucking stupid objective to set managers to be like oh you need to make sure everyone's mental health and the team is good i'm like fucking brilliant so not only have i got to mind my own take responsibility for my own mental health but now i'm taking responsibility for the mental health of all the people on my team as well i was like what a mad thing to set but so remember people being, make sure you do this. They, you know, they'd set like e-learning modules for us. And they'd be like, make sure you're, you know, you're completing your mental health e-learning module. And I'd be like, oh God, I'm so stressed because I haven't completed my mental health e-learning module. <laughs> so fucking hell, guys. Wow. Give me a break. Jesus. Don't turn mental health into a fucking chore as well. Ugh. But it can't feel like that anyway, regardless of whether it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whether work trying to formalize it into some kind of corporate format. Yeah. 
it's funny. I know we're not. We will, we will get onto a topic. We'll get onto a but, topic. Um, sure. The the fact that I live the way I do, being <laughs> one that is in touch with decisions regarding my mental health. Let's mm. put it that way. Seems to follow me wherever I go, and because I'm quite proactive within the nightlife world of Bristol, I guess, and trying to get myself saying hello to people at events and so on. <laughs> people open up to me a lot about their issues and connections with alcohol or drugs, mm. but it seems to follow me wherever I go. Sometimes <laughs> I love it. Don't get me yeah, wrong. Yeah, I yeah. absolutely. I'm always willing to have a chat with people. Mm. That's one of the more beautiful things that comes from recovery is people wanting to talk to you about that stuff. Mm. And it's, it's nice that life. it's nice that people people feel like they can do that with me. Mm. Yeah, it's just amusing. It's not. It's never tiring, to be honest. I was making it out in my head as if it was like mental health is a chore because it follows me wherever I go. Mm. But actually, it's not. But it's um, mm. it's definitely just quite interesting that the way I used to go out. <laughs> where I used to go out was to connect with the people that were getting off their face because I wanted to get off my face. Mm. And now the people that are getting off their face are talking to me because I'm not off my face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they want to connect to someone. And you're actually connecting with them, yeah. Yeah. Except they're not because they're gurning. True. But maybe. Maybe, maybe I connect. should take that next step and give them a message when, when we're, when, well, when they're not off their face and say, hello. You uh, opened up about something the other day, and I wondered if you wanted to go for a coffee and talk about it. Mm. Never thought to do that. Wow. Thank you, podcasting. Yeah. The insights it gives you. <laughs> Mystical insights of the I podcast. I just never stop podcasting, and I'll just find all of life's answers in one. Mm. Before we go on to our topic, are you doing anything to manage your tiredness? Your, your What's the term we used? Burnout. Burnout. Uh, I have a few days coming off next week. Nice. So my plan is just to to probably just sleep for the first few days and then see how I feel after that. No, to be honest, it, it hasn't really been until this week where I've actually acknowledged it's a problem. Mm. And, I, and I, I know from experience what tends to happen is I acknowledge it's a problem and then I'll call my sponsor. I spoke to my sponsor about it on Tuesday and I spoke to him about it again yesterday. And what tends to happen is it's just almost like a slow trudge back to connecting to my program of what I'm, what I should really be doing or what I should be prioritizing over just remaining busy all the time. Yeah. Um, and then it, it's always just, you know, like a week, two weeks later, I'm like, Oh, thank God I'm out of that now. So that's, yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing at the moment. Look forward to hearing about how those days off have gone. Mm. I'm trying to, I just really allow a day to be like, I don't need to do anything. Yeah. And I did that, I practiced that on Sunday and that was amazing. Just woke up and was like, maybe, I can't remember what I did. Not much. And I woke up and I was just like, I'm going to play on the Xbox. I'm going to I'm gonna binge watch something. Yeah. And then went and played badminton with Lydia. Yeah. And that was such a nice day. Mm. So I should do that more. I mean, not doing anything is, not doing anything and actually resting is a skill. And it's mm. a skill I've yet to, to perfect. I think it comes from, I think my, my eating disorder brain and my compulsive exercise brain always make me feel as though I should be moving, doing something, yeah, being yeah. productive. And it has a real phobia and aversion to being what it would deem as unproductive. And I find that when I, 
when I get into a tired state rather than rest, my body doubles down and it wants to do more and more and more because it's running on adrenaline all the time. That's the only energy it has. So I find that when I get into the situations I'm in now, it's, it's very difficult to stop because my body wants to keep going and keep doing and that stuff. What I need to do is not do anything for a day. Yeah. It's but, really um, hard, but I think it's possible to like really allow that yeah. time just to like, uh, this is going to sound incredibly woke. So just Go on. buckle up, Go on. but just like, I, I know that you practice meditation mm-hmm. and one of the, simple ways of meditating is bringing it back to the breath. Mm. If you can incorporate that into your day off mm. and be like, Oh, this is, I'm starting to get, this is difficult. I need to get up. I need to like, I need to go and maybe even look at the laptop for a bit. Maybe I need to look at an email. If you can almost incorporate the, let's bring it back to the, the chilling out. Mm. I'm supposed to be chilling out. This is what I'm doing. You mm. just like swap, swap terminologies in your head. Give that mm. a go. I could do. The problem I have with that is that I turn meditation into a productivity no. activity as well, um, which is ju- which is just a symptom of again just the brain turning something else. Because I, c- I can turn the most beneficial activity into something that is compulsive and unhealthy when I'm in that mindset. The, probably the healthiest thing for me to do in that those situations is to sit on the couch, put on Netflix, and eat some horrible food. That's what I do. Junk foods. I think that's a. There is. I. I don't like. I think I Zen masters don't talk about it enough. Maybe because you. You're, you've got this compulsion to be productive as well. Maybe that's why you feel horrible about it. No, I mean I literally felt. I, I had leftover Chinese <laughs> from the Mayflower. You've been there. I have. Yeah. It's great. It is good. Yeah. How salty is their food? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like I was yeah. like, might as well just throw a bunch of sand in my mouth. <laughs> But you still, still, there was enough of it the following day that you're like, well, I woke up and was like, so I had some, well, I had my, my healthy breakfast of muesli. Mm. Muesli. Mew, mu, mu. The old muesli. 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 Mu, I don't muesli, know. I don't know how to say it. Muesli. Muesli. The old muesli. Muesli. Mu. Anyway. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, I've got, you know, I'm enjoying this so much. Had like two coffees. I'm going to play Xbox. Mm. And I, Started to binge on. I was like, I can't be asked to cook anything. Oh wait, I've got leftover Chinese. That'll make me feel horrible. But I'm being lazy. Mm. What if I ate well? What if my laziness? It's like I can't connect the two. What if my laziness also incorporated eating well? So I wasn't dehydrated from so much salt. Potentially, yeah. Anyways, mm. but yeah, um, right. Nice little introduction. The prelude. Prelude to topic that's not even relevant to any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it is. We don't know. We don't know. Could all be interwoven because of the mysticism of the podcast. We might find out as we go. Uh, the topic we thought we'd talk about today is uh, the simplest way to say it is attachment issues, mm-hmm. which falls under love addiction, sex addiction, sometimes codependency, uh, mm. how you or I have had difficulties and have learned to connect with the difficulty that is either addiction to finding someone, mm-hmm. addiction to being with someone, mm-hmm. uh, addi- you know, dating, di- addicted to dating apps or going on dates or 
or the complete opposite of that and being almost too scared to even consider dates and and, and sexual anorexic stance yeah that kind of thing mm. love or sex anorexic um we're hoping that this is a nice uh kind of two-party episode uh where we might get a guest on who uh it has experience of this and and, and i feel that it would be a really good uh, nice angle to talk about with this as well but i guess to start things off I don't have a real, I don't have a question in mind, but you've talked a little bit and I, I was quite touched by when you opened up about some of the difficulties you have around it. Your, what's your connection to having difficulties around relationships and attachment and sex? I mean, I've got issues with all of them, like all of them. Um, I think if, I, if we take them one at a time, because I, I know I've, I've kind of described to you before my my um, relationship and sexual history, but I went through a period when uh, I had an eating disorder and I was using drugs. So there was a period when from the age of 20, not the age of 16 to 25, I lost my virginity when I was 15. I last, I had sex when I was 16 years old with somebody else. And then I didn't have sex again until I was 24, 25. So I went, you know, for a period of nearly 10 years without um, any kind of, uh, sexual intimacy with anyone um and it and, and it is it was as weird as it sounds um particularly because i've never been short of female attention which made it even weirder for me i've never i've never had difficulties talking to women always had lots of female friends i've always um i say always that sounds really arrogant but i've had people interested in me at various times um so it was a weird period to have and it, it was almost exclusively to do with my Anxiety around my body and having sex with somebody, um, anxiety around sexual performance, uh, and turning it into a massive thing in my head, like a real pa- chronic paranoia that everyone else understood how to have sex and was better at it than I was, and I would humiliate myself if I were to ever have sex with someone. Um, and then also, you know, I had drug addiction as well. I think the main shame was around being having an eating disorder and being bulimic, that was the main shame that I had around it. And I didn't feel like I could let anyone into my life whilst I had that. So I, whenever someone was interested in me or I was interested in someone else, I always took it so far. And then as soon as it reached a stage where it might get sexual, I would pull away. Um, so that, that kind of, that set the scene for my adult kind of romantic relationships and the like. And pre and pre uh, losing your virginity at 15, how are you with like, early teenage and school getting to you know talking to women or you are straight yes okay yeah talking to women um and and that kind of thing for the first time or whatever i was uh, yeah i was very confident in talking to women i didn't struggle with it at all um but i did used to fixate on girls from a very young age i used to obsess over particular girls um, romant- like romantically upset. It's weird actually when I think about it because from maybe like the age of four or five, I can vividly remember fantasizing about romance. And I don't know whether that was kind of indoctrination from television or films that I watched as a kid. Maybe it was like, but I remember being in nursery and like having a crush on a girl in nursery. So I must've been four, five, six, something like that. And now and obsessing over that 
well, obsessing is probably a bit extreme. Maybe it wasn't to that level, but it was, it was definitely romantic. And I understood that I should be, have some kind of object of my affection. Um, and that, and that has kind of carried through till today. That's like, I've had that and continue to have that. Um, but it's become, you know, in my adult life, it's become more kind of uh, dysfunctional. I would say, particularly over the last few years, it's become really dysfunctional. Um, but I could, I could probably talk about this timeline for ages. So I'm going to flip it back to you. Um, what would you say your relationship is to kind of relationships? Uh, I think a good way for me, I guess you kind of did a, a I'll try and not make it too much of a long timeline. Uh, I, t- I, can, I get carried away with this. The best way to do it is like a brief overview as if I was doing a chair yeah, yeah. of my drug use to uh, my relationship with women from a young age to now. Mm. Um, so it's gone, uh, which would be an interesting way for a certain person listening to discover some stuff about me. <laughs> and I, uh, I do apologize. Nice. Cool. But um, I think it's important. For people who are listening to know that there are um, people that struggle with this stuff Mm -hmm. and and more and more people I speak to have had similar issues and they just don't know. I think everyone has. Yeah. Every single person I've spoken to about my issues with relationships has to some degree experienced what I talk about. Yeah. So it's just not spoken about that much. Yeah. They don't know how or, you know, yeah, or it's just more private. I don't know. Mm. More than that. So, um, so my, uh, so I, I had difficulties speaking to women growing up. Um, uh, I was more focused on like, you know, whatever. I, I, I was a bit shy or, or awkward or like, yeah, nervous and scared. And um, primary school, yeah, I remember, I remember fancying this girl and I was like, really, I know, I was like, must have been similar age to what you said, five yeah. or six. Yeah. Being like, fancy before you knew what fancy and meant. Yeah. yeah. I was like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? How do I, how do I say, you know, mm. um, nothing came of it, really, obviously. Mm. Uh, I remember, yeah, having this kind of um, primary school girlfriend that was kind of, it was quite cute, to be honest. We'd talk on the phone sometimes in the evenings when you'd like have a landline. You'd have a set limit time to talk to them, otherwise yeah, it'd start yeah. costing you yeah, yeah, yeah. your money. That's <laughs> so fun. Yeah. Well, I remember those days, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I had some real difficult things around that from an early age where I made to feel like I was, a, I don't know, a token boyfriend uh, or things like that or like people would take the mick or like I was really nervous. Like if I wasn't, if I wasn't willing, you know, it's so silly. If you you weren't willing to hold her hand, then you're like, you know, a little bitch or something like that. It's using the, they didn't say that back then. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I had this weird kind of. I think that's just quite common. But yeah, yeah. that that really like stuck with me. And then uh, yeah, through secondary school, um, it kind of developed. Uh, the the I remember. Uh, I remember. What what happened? I remember meeting this girl. Um, I know I'd like, yeah, the, I was thinking about this the other day, like the first kid, I'm reading this book at the moment. It's just like a sweet, um, 
no, well, not sweet. It's, it's a very profound and quite interesting uh, uh, book called, um, what's it called? It seems like Cooking the Plantain or something like that, Burning Plantain. I can't remember. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's uh, it's about a, a Jamaican slash Canadian girl uh, in Canada, but like back and forth between Jamaica and Canada, talking about being... Uh, uh, she's she's mixed race, so uh, talking about being like a bit confused with herself growing up in school, and then learning about like boys and all this stuff, and talking about the first kiss, and it took me back to my first kiss, and like I must have been like smacking teeth and like all sorts of messy slobbery, um, and I remember not fancying that girl, mm. but I just wanted like to feel like I fitted in, yeah, and girlfriend, had a girlfriend. And then not long after that, I ended up fancying a girl and she fancied me back. But then I was like, I got really uh, quite, um, I feel like throwing a word obsessive around has got to be careful with it. But I was, yeah, I was very like clingy is a good term with that. Mm. And that's kind of how I was until I started taking drugs. Mm. And uh, so I was like, if I met a girl and I really liked her and she liked me back, I'd get really clingy and then they'd get put off and then they'd go away. Um, and so I had this weird connection until the drugs came around and then I was like, oh, well, I'm confident with women now because I have drugs. So then it went almost completely the other end of that and I became overly confident, became a bit of a player and I'm not going to go into the details of that um, for the respect of anybody that's listening, whether it's family or my girlfriend, and talk about that in detail. But yes, definitely a player. Um, But through... I, I started to develop this belief where it was le- it was if I didn't have the drug in me, then I wouldn't be able to perform, mm. and that stuck with me from the ages of. Uh, so I lost my virginity at fifteen, started taking drugs more heavily at sixteen, and I stopped taking drugs when I was like twenty twenty one. Mm. So from s- around sixteen, fifteen, sixteen to twenty one, which is pretty much majority of my young adult teenage life mm. uh, becoming young, young adult my connection with sex was uh, if I didn't wasn't drunk or on drugs then I wouldn't be able to have sex mm. um, and it was never about I'd already developed a bit of a like unhealthy connection with sex mm. and it, it became um, I never had interest in relationships it was uh, how many <laughs> yeah how many people can I see Mm. Um, so anyway I got so disgusted with myself with this this belief that I wasn't that I started you know doing the cliche Joey Tribbiani from Friends oh god my grandparents are coming round gotta go <laughs> that kind of making excuses thing I became so disgusted with how I treated women and like people started to fancy me and I'd just be like no I'm not interested became that guy uh, mm. that I just went on this like I'm not gonna yeah I'm not gonna I'm gonna stop doing that um, really and there was like a period of like year two years sometimes three years where I just wouldn't have sex mm. uh, st- stop and I wanted to kind of like almost punish myself which isn't healthy either mm. punish myself for this belief that I was a wrongdoer um, and that I treated women badly was this in recovery now? No, still whilst still whilst using. This okay. is still whilst using. Okay, and also I'd put on this like huge amount of weight. Maybe it all connected. I was like, I need to make myself unattractive so that 
I punished myself. I wasn't even that bad, really. I, like, I know how horrible men can be. Mm. Uh, and uh, I really wasn't... I, I, I believe I was just a, 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 a drugged-up mess, really. Mm. Um, you were a kid as well. And I was a kid. Mm. So anyway, so that kind of self-defeating um, belief. And uh, so... So, yeah, so to kind of hurry this along, because you, you kept yours quite short and sweet, and I've dragged it on a bit. Um, to Towards the time I got into recovery, I had uh, I, I'd developed a, a bit of a... I was in a relationship, and it was the first time I thought I was in love with someone mm. properly. Yeah. But the relationship in that was very unhealthy yeah. and it was very attached. I yeah. feel like every conversation I had with anyone that wasn't her was about her. So-and-so has been up to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. almost, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like I'm not important. Yeah. Let's speak about them. Yeah. And that was like really prevalent. Um, if I'd, if, you know, it was very manipulative both ways. It was very controlling both ways. Mm. And yeah, just very destructive. And I, and I got sober during this time. And when I came out of it, I didn't know how to be as a sober person on my own. Yeah. So, so then I kind of got addicted to dating apps and that kind of thing. So then I, but that never really worked out because like I, I was then also scared of intimacy and sex. So I developed this like <laughs> dating addiction, but didn't want to have sex. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this carried on for like a number of years, which is now leading towards more now and in, in a really healthy and loving relationship, mm. which is. <laughs> shocks me still that i'm just like that i'm that it's i'm it's so nice mm. um and uh yeah because for for the last three years i've been working in on on that connection with my my connection to relationships women how i see myself the fear of intimacy the fear of opening up actually i have no uh hesitation to opening up about myself mm. evidently i'm speaking about deep and dark secrets on a microphone to mm. potentially lots of people or potentially mm. only the one person I don't want to be hearing. <laughs> don't want this to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yes, I've done a lot of work on my, uh, on my connection to attachment issues and it's been the most painful thing in my life, way more than uh, addict addiction to substances has been, mm uh attachment issues love addiction uh i don't know if i, I don't know if, if i consider maybe there's maybe the, being so young to consider teenage me i guess i was an addict so could consider me a sex addict but i wasn't i think there's degrees of that i don't know mm. if i would consider myself a sex addict back then mm. i'm not sure yeah i don't know if it was that bad there's no way of knowing yeah so but now i'm fine <laughs> oh good you completed it yeah That's completed good. it no well no there's a lot of like weird uh, there's a lot of weird kind of beliefs that have kept with me yeah through growing up yeah that um that have kind of stayed but yeah but yeah my girlfriend's super supportive about almost everything Almost. Almost everything. Let's not talk about the bit that's not almost. Then. Can't even if think of listening. That. Yeah. Just want to make it out to be, you know. Too good, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know. 
Keep She'll be mis- like, keep oh, pat herself on the back. Yeah, keep the mystery. Hold something back. You can never score someone a 10 out of 10 because where have they got left to go after that? Exactly. Yeah. But now on the whole, yeah. It's, it's, I feel like I've, wait, I've covered a lot of like stuff that I find difficult within the last three years. Mm. Therapy has been amazing for that. Yeah. And a bit of tapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You love a bit and of tapping. Some of the fellowships. Yeah. I want to ask you about... Um, you mentioned uh, the relationship you had when you came into recovery, because I think there are certain relationships that people have that bring out certain characteristics in them that people would define as, because like there, I've, I've had a specific relationship where I don't think I would have examined my relationships if I hadn't had that particular experience. And that particular experience was painful for me yeah. and brought out all my worst characteristics. What do you think it was about you said the relationship was codependent in both directions yeah and quite controlling and you felt like you were very obsessive yeah what do you think it was about that relationship that triggered those things in you don't know uh cool well uh that's the end of the podcast (laughs) (laughs) no it's a really it's a really good question there's a lot of things that there's a lot of things at the time that were running through my mind nearly every day that kept this obsession and this fear and this adrenaline and this like anger and the highs and lows so consistent. It was at the time and I now don't feel this way evidently because I've moved on and I've done the work. But at the time I'd been single for ever you know, as I said, my up until that point, uh, as I must have been like 20, 21, 20, 21, I can't, yeah. uh, maybe I was 21, I can't remember, I think so. Um, up until that point, yeah, I was 21, I remember now. Um, uh, I'd never really had a relationship. Mm. If I had, it was like a girlfriend for a week and then yeah, I'd yeah. scare them off because I'd be so clingy. Mm. Um, or just, you know, I would be like, I can't be asked. Yeah. Because, yeah, being a knob. Um. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So I was like so confused and, and terrified. I was like now, and I was like, head over heels with this person. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, they're amazing. They're, they weren't. No one is that amazing. But, uh, but for you at that moment. At that moment, yeah. I was like, uh, they're going to fix me. Yeah. 
I was like, at the time I thought, there is no one more beautiful than this person. Mm. I will never find someone. It was like all these things, all these insecurities about myself. Maybe that's a good angle to come at this. All these insecurities about myself that I'm like, waste of space, never going to succeed. A drug addict, drunk. Yeah, yeah. uh, Can't find love. All of these things were being like countered in someone just giving me their, yeah, yeah, yeah. giving me their time to be in a relationship with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, that's so good. That's, that makes so much sense. So you've got you over here. No one can see where I'm pointing here, but we've got you over here that is considering themselves very low value. And like, obviously, self esteem is quite low because you've got all these things going on in your head that I am all these things. I have all these insecurities. And then you've got this other person over here that you perceive as no one's more attractive than her. I, I assume like there were so many qualities you were projecting on her that she may or may not have had. Like she's so intelligent. She's so this, she's so that. And then suddenly, or like you over here with your low value is being made to feel right by having the association with this person. That's, that's so potent. Yeah, yeah. That's so it's, potent. It's in, I think it's amazing that people have helped me see that yeah and uh the program has helped me and, and therapy and has helped me see that yeah yeah yeah. because ultimately we're hierarchical creatures aren't we and we want to have value we want to have yeah. value in our society and in our community and if you perceive yourself as having nothing and you see someone who has it and not only that but they like you yeah that's so intoxicating that's just like a oh my god i'm being dragged out of the gates of hell by this angel yeah. And it's like, it's such a kind of, such a mad thing to get into, but I understand how it happens, but it's just like, just, yeah. you know, they talk about like love and stuff like that, love addiction being a form of madness or something. And that's like, that's what I think about, like that madness of this is the thing that will save me. I think that ultimately way more powerful, I found that, that, that relationship way more powerful than any drug I was. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. Like throw in my insane. my drug addict self trying to get her on the drugs that i was doing yeah when she had really little experience beforehand yeah and that's when it gets messy yeah yeah yeah. that's when you start to like that's when it's it got really dark yeah uh and very much you know that one of the reasons why i'm still clean today is because of how dark i felt it got in the relationship yeah it wasn't like a you know it wasn't like a Breaking Bad, uh, Jesse and whatever that character's name was when they're like, haven't seen TV series, don't get the reference. But I assume, because I'm like the only person in the world who's never seen Breaking Bad, I assume our listeners will. Can I, is this, are you ever going to watch it? No, because I've tried twice and I just can't get into it. I apo- right. Apologies to anyone who likes Breaking Bad who's listening, but I just, I can't get into it. And then just like, with, you know, without giving too much away, there's just a relationship that happens in it between two addicts nice yeah 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 and it it doesn't go well yeah um so it wasn't like that it was more like she wasn't an addict i was her dragging me around whilst i'm like k-holing and falling on the floor and smacking my head i remember one day we're not gonna go off onto this story too much but i remember one day i woke up and i was so delirious and there was just blood all over the bed i was like oh my god what the hell's going on i thought i'd like killed her or something she was fine it was me. I'd crack my head open because I was k-holing. She was, she's quite, she was quite, quite small. Kind of dragged me, who was like a big guy, uh, <laughs> like I don't know, must have been fifteen or sixteen stone, back to the house to make sure I was all right. So yeah, that's that's good fun.
but um but then also got clean during the relationship yeah. um and she became the person i was like put on this pedestal i was like can't believe they like me blah blah, blah. oh my god wow yeah. to this person saving me so then it doubled up into this other thing where I was like, if I don't have this person, then um, then my world will fall apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I, yeah, it was pretty terrifying when that relationship ended. Yeah. And the relationship only ended because I, which is quite clever of her, I'll give her this. Yeah. She couldn't do it because she said it needed to be me that discovered that the relationship wasn't working. Because she knew that it wasn't working, but I was the one that was like, I don't know. Maybe that's not. That's bad. such bullshit. Tell to go fuck herself. That's that's the worst thing I've ever heard. What she could, she didn't want to tell you that she wanted it to be over, so she got you to do it. Well, if she knew that the relationship wasn't going. That's just some smug shit she said to you. <laughs> that's what. Maybe that's what I got from it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm 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 making I've made it quite in the wrong traumatic breakup. But, um, maybe I put it in a weird context. But yeah, yeah, basically, I needed to be the one that ended it because I was refusing. I was like, no, 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 we're <laughs> we're in it together forever. Nice, wow. That's, uh, but I was like, no, I, this isn't working. I've learned that you should never put anyone on a pedestal. Mm. Maybe not even put, well, you could put yourself on a pedestal. Ultimately, I learned that there is not one person forever. Mm. There's plenty of people in this world, so many mm. people. And there's probably... Hundreds of thousands of people that I could have a, a great relationship with. Are you listening down to girlfriends? Better keep on your A game. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's like it to like to like narrow it down. Suddenly, there's only one person forever, and you've got to hold on to that mm. until the day you die. And if you don't have that person, then you're like worthless. That's so like bad and savage, and that leads to really unhealthy relationships. Yeah. And I think the reason why the relationship I'm in now is so great is because there's like there's like there's that fear isn't there yeah i think um i don't have any desire to be in a relationship with hundreds of thousands of people that's i'm, good I'm happy in my relationship it's a rest easy dance girl <laughs> um but yeah i'm no longer like terrified of i think that's also it i'm not terrified to be on my own um and that makes it so much nicer to be with her when I'm with her because I'm just enjoying I'm just enjoying being with her. Yeah. And um and beforehand in the in that relationship that I spoke about, I like could never be on my own. I had to be either talking to her, on the phone to her, you know, waiting for a text with her. Like it had to be her, her, her all the time. And it was just yeah, it was just a never I remember going to early meetings when I was doing 90 meetings in 90 days, sorry, the uninitiated. And mostly shared about her. Yeah. I'm, I'm the one getting clean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, we'll leave it there. <laughs> um, how can we flip this back on you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I can, t- I can talk to you about my traumatic relationship if you want. Yeah, because I think that's how we met really because you were going through a I don't know if this is the traumatic relationship. It will be the one where we met. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, but I was like, I know this. Yeah, yeah. I've and been I, there. And I found you a great source of help and strength um, while that was happening because you'd been there, uh, which is obviously the, the beauty of recovery is, is to 
talking to someone about something you've never been through. Because I, I had obviously this kind of delayed, uh, I didn't have my first proper girlfriend. So I was 24, 25, whenever the time was, I started having sex again. And, um, that relationship lasted about a year and a half, two years on and off. And I cheated on her quite a few times, which was a shock to me. I didn't expect myself to be the type of person who could be unfaithful, but I was, um, and I blamed that on using, uh, which was you know, ironic considering when I got clean and I continued to be unfaithful. So that's probably quite telling that I still had this aspect of me that still wanted to be unfaithful even after I had got clean. So I had that relationship. And to be honest with you, I felt for the majority, the, that relationship was very unhealthy and quite toxic. The, one that, the, the first one I had while I was still using, um, mostly on my part, uh, but also on her part. And it was when it ended, I, f- I felt absolutely nothing. I wanted it to end. I was glad it was over. And I felt a sense of freedom from it after it was finished. And it, it sounds really callous. And I don't know whether this was the drugs or whether this was the fact that I didn't feel like I'd, I'd fully engaged in the relationship or connected or been vulnerable. Um, I, I just, as soon as it finished, I forgot about it. It was almost like it never happened. It just erased from my memory. And, um, and I've had that with up, up until the relationship, the bad one I had, the traumatic one, I would, I'd ended every relationship I'd been in. So I had many relationships in my first year of recovery with, with quite a few different people. And I think, you know, that ex- the experience you were talking about of being a player when you were younger, I had that just when I was 28. So it was, I had it much later. And, uh, eventually as I was good, so this was in my first year of recovery and I started dating and fucking around and having sex with lots of different people and, and having sex with two people, uh, kind of running parallel to each other, having these like mini relationships and upsetting people and all this kind of stuff. Um, and then I met this particular girl that I got into a relationship with and we were together for about a year, um, which, which almost ran exactly from my first year anniversary of being clean to we broke up a week after I turned two years clean. Um, so it ran pretty, pretty much exactly for that year. And, um, I'd never in my life been jealous before in a relationship. I'd never gotten angry or lashed out in anger. I mean, like verbally, obviously I'm not really a, the physical kind of person in terms of being physically violent or anything like that. But like, I, I'd like getting uncontrollably angry in an argument. I'd never had that before in a relationship. Um, and I think for the similar, re- for the same reasons you were talking about when I didn't realize this, and this has only come from kind of reflection afterwards. Um, you know, I came, I, I got clean and I had all this shame and this fear around the fact that I wasn't manly enough and wasn't masculine enough and that I'd missed a large part of my, uh, adolescence and early twenties when I felt like I should have been having relationships and having sex and exploring things, I didn't. And I think I carried that insecurity and that shame into my first few years of recovery, which is why I was almost like trying to make up for lost time in, in my head. I was like, well, I haven't done this stuff, so I need to do it now. Um, so I carried that in, but as a result, I kind of, I felt less than other people. And, and that's something I continue to struggle with. I continually feel less than other people. And when I met this particular girl, she was by far the most attractive girl I've ever dated. Um, she was intelligent, uh, had a much, 
much more successful career than I was having. Um, it, in my head, came from a better family. It came from uh, a better area. Came like all this stuff put her in my head above where I was. And I've one of my main insecurities, one of my main shortcomings is I I can be exceptionally vain, and I'm really exceptionally like exceptionally vain in the sense of appearances are everything to me sometimes. Right. And because she was beautiful and it was the, the, probably the first experience I've ever had of people saying to me, almost like there was like, I'd somehow achieved this was, Oh my God, you're like, your girlfriend's amazing. Like she's incredible. Like my mother actually said to me, Mark, she's so beautiful. Are you sure you're not punching above your weight? Like, and so, so in my head, I had this thing of, Oh my God, I'm with this beautiful woman. Therefore I must be beautiful as well. Therefore I am worth more than I thought I was initially. Um, so this, so I had that thing of, I am low value. She is high value. My association with her drags me up in value. Um, and as a result of that, I think I became very possessive, uh, very jealous. And there were aspects of the relationship that really didn't work. Um, and I, I really struggled with her because, uh, her reaction to, um, any kind of conflict was to shut down and ignore me for days on end, which I found really, really difficult to do. I'd never had it before, probably because I'd been the one shutting down and not talking to them for days on end and waiting for them to approach me. So I was kind of getting a taste of my own medicine in reverse. So I found it really problematic because I was like, I remember for the periods where she would kind of shut me out for a day, two days at a time and not talk to me, I would become like a mad person, like obsessed, like what's she doing? Who's she talking to? When she's going to message me? Why isn't she messaging me? Every time my phone buzzed, I was checking to see if it was her. Exactly how it was. Oh my God. Like just madness, man. And it's mad. And you, my phone. Yeah. But I was in recovery as well. So I was going in my head, I was going, you're mad. This is crazy. Your behavior is fucking nuts. This is real crazy stuff that you're doing. So eventually when it ended, I felt like what happened was when I had those periods of maybe a couple of days where she wasn't talking to me, I was mad. And, but then she would talk to me again and I feel fine and wondered why I was so crazy. Do, you know, like that immediate relief of, Oh, well, she's giving me attention now. So I'm fine again. Yeah. What, what happened when the relationship ended was I was put into this period of she's not talking to me. I'm crazy. And in my head, I didn't think the relationship was over. So I just stayed in this limbo land for, in, in the extreme version of the limbo land for about six months, I would say. So, and that is six months of the worst obsession mixed with depression and anxiety I've ever had in my life. And it was on it like, and it just got more painful as the months went on because I, I'm sure I've told you before, she got into a relationship with someone at work. Yeah, very, you spoke a lot. Yeah. Time. Very shortly afterwards. And suddenly uh, all the, all this other stuff came up of my inferiority against other men. And suddenly I was comparing myself to this person she'd end up in a relationship with. And again, the, ins the insanity of it was, this was a person I'd had absolutely no strong feelings towards because I'd known him for a few years. So he was someone that I'd, I'd barely noticed in, in my life. And I had no strong feeling towards in terms of like masculine envy or anything like that. But suddenly I was fixated on this guy being like, what does this guy have that I don't have? Yeah. Um, so that became a thing and 
and it, uh, yeah, and so the main part of that insanity lasted for about six months, and then I kind of snapped out of it after I had my my father on my my father of all people like really drilled home some home truths to me and taught me about as we had a conversation where he basically taught me about the idea of the reason this is so painful for you is because you're not shutting the door on it. No one else is making this painful for you. The reason this is painful is you haven't accepted it's over and everybody else has, which is obviously a, a tough thing to say, but Paul Fucker had had six months of hearing me moan about this. So I think, <laughs> I, I think he'd probably given up the, the softly, softly stuff. Sometimes you need that though. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's funny because I always be very careful with when I'm speaking to people if they're upset, finding something difficult, painful mm. in, a, in a period of real over and over again about something. Yeah. Sometimes you just want to shout. You're not putting this down, though, are yeah, you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and whenever people have said that to me, yeah, it's, you know, sometimes people have been like, "Well, they're not coming back. Yeah, it's yeah. over. Get over it." Type yeah. thing. Yeah. I'm like, "Fuck you!" Yeah. And then, oh, yeah. it's, it's risky, isn't it? It's risky. You have to like time it. And I don't think if anyone else had said it to me, I probably would have told them to fuck off. Yeah. I think it was. <laughs> I think it was because it was my dad. And, and I know he does love me and care about me. And, and, the, and the way in which he put it, he was very like, it made a lot of sense to me. I think he knows how to talk to me sometimes. So I was, I was grateful for that because it gave me a relief for a period of time. But the obsession didn't really end there. Um, yeah. it, it just became obvious to me that it was an obsession and it was something that I could go in and out of. And I've gone in and out of it for a few years and I've noticed the, the pattern I have because um, obviously we were, I'm sorry, I don't know if I said this earlier, but we work together so yeah so, I, I knew that yeah so we we work together so i used to see her a lot i used to see her new partner a lot because he also works with me and each time i saw them it would it would spark that obsession again and it would be a thing so I, I kind of went through periods of trying to avoid them and not see them or went through periods of trying to like practice almost like mindfulness when i saw them to not go into the obsessiveness about it and that that worked to degrees at certain times and then obviously we had a pandemic so that was fantastic for not seeing people um, which was actually really helpful. Yeah. Uh, that helped me a lot as well. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there's no risk of running into this person. But, so I mean, just a mini segue. Yeah. Yeah. Also was not as beneficial for me because everyone was on dating apps. Mm. <laughs> as was I. Uh, then it became even worse because for some reason I couldn't see that putting myself as a DJ on a dating app throws people off. Like yeah. I might as well have had the Hitler salute in my pictures. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm in a pandemic, lonely, yeah. going nuts with this illness of, yeah, yeah, yeah. of, of, of obsessive loneliness yeah, yeah, and yeah. fear yeah. whilst on dating apps and not, not even getting anywhere with the hundreds yeah. of thousands of people that are on there. Yeah, yeah. So that... <laughs> So yeah, yeah, I hear you. I hear you, man. I was on dating apps in, in the pandemic as well, and I, I went mad on them. Yeah. Um, like I went real, yeah, man. yeah. I, I think, think we both did. I think everyone went mad on them. To be honest, to be perfectly honest. Anyway, but yeah, so that was helpful. So that was kind of the pattern, and that that's the pattern I've gone through for the last couple of years. And and I don't think I'm fully over it. I think I can be honest and say I don't think I'm fully over it. I don't think I fully let it go. I think I go through different stages of letting sense of surrender and acceptance around it and then another sense of not acceptance around it and not surrender um, if, yeah my mum my mother said mother 
Actually, I don't see him on there. My mum. My ma. Mumsy. Mumma. Mum bloke. Uh, Mumma's. <laughs> Mama. Um said whether this is true or not. At the time of me going through that breakup, was she feels like um you carry every time you fall in love, you carry that love with you for the rest of your life. Not not saying that, you know, if that person walked through the door, I'd be like, oh my God. Yeah. But every person, you know, you've been in love with throughout your life or had a love with, you will kind of remember that, you know, bit by bit forever. You may never get over it, but it may not be the same way, but it's just kind of like... Um, yeah, the nature of it's definitely changed over the years, but I can, I, I still, the same thoughts, feelings and, and pain from it can come up uh, if certain things happen or if I'm triggered in a certain way. I think I've just... It's like anything, isn't it? If you spend years dealing with something, you know how to slip out of it more quickly than yeah. when it comes up. And sometimes you can't help it. Sometimes, can you? Like, I'm sure if you started perusing photos of an ex from that that particular ex, for example, yeah. I'm sure it would trigger stuff in you where you'd be like, "Ah, fuck me, that's painful." Actually, I don't want to think about that, or I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, or... I um, I like deleted a lot of photos of that yeah person, not to erase them, but because I found it really painful. Really, really painful. Yeah. Um, in fact, people recommend, isn't it? It's like it's almost mm-hmm. don't don't keep those things around those like mementos because you are still leaving doors open there. Yeah, it took me so long to get over that person. Yeah, like she, she was over me in like a, a lot less of time, maybe a year. Yeah, it's always unfair, isn't it? It's always yeah. like there's always one person. Like I should count myself lucky because I've always been the person that gets over the other person much quicker. So there's only one instance where I felt like I'd been fucked. And yeah. sadly, this was it. But, you know. Do you remember reconnecting with this person like a year later? Pretty much exactly a year later or like yeah. when would have been like, oh, whatever, mm. a significant amount of time that we've been together or whatever. We reconnected and it was like a kind of how you getting on yeah, type yeah, yeah. thing um, because they had a photo, a graduation photo of me and they wanted to give it back. And uh, if they're listening now, they definitely know that it's them now. Zach's giving it away, but um, I doubt they're listening. But um, likewise, I don't think my ex will yeah. ever, ever listen to this. But yeah, we, we reconnect because they're like, "Oh, do you want to join me to throw this out? Or do you want it? You need to send it back." And I was like, "Ah, oh, send it back, you bitch!" No, I didn't. Say that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that. Send it back, you fucking bitch. We reconnected for a bit to see how they were getting on, and like. Um, yeah, it was a bit a bit too nice. We were kind mm. of all the jokes kept coming back and it was real interest in how I was getting on. And uh, there mm. was a com- two conversations that happened in that period of time. It went on for like a week and then it fizzled out. Mm. Um, and I started to get back into that kind of similar yeah, yeah, yeah. mindset yeah. again. But two conversations were incredibly painful. Mm. And one was this. One was that she had like moved on in a lot less time than me. It gave me thinking that maybe it was happening during our relationship that this, they were, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's horrible. That's a horrible thought to have. You, horrible. you retrace the, the moments where like, what does she mean when she said that? Or yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, that argument actually had more meaning than I thought. It, that kind of yeah, stuff. That yeah. That kind of, but it's horrible, like hearsay, you'll never know. Yeah. But, um, the, the, that painful thing is that, uh, I had like said or something without saying, I, I'm not really, you know, I kind of hinted I wasn't really over it yet. Yeah. She, she was like, Oh, Oh, Okay. I, hadn't, I was like, I hadn't, oh, that was it. I hadn't dated anyone really since. Yeah. Um, 
She was like, oh, right. And yeah, I'm sorry to hear that type thing. And then that they had moved on quite quickly and that they had taken that person. Bear in mind, they don't live in where, in, from where I'm from. Yeah. It took, <laughs> took that person in a lot less time to where we would go on my birthday that I, I you know, that was like a, a nice spot to go to. Yeah. And I was like, fuck you. <laughs> that was our place. <laughs> Just destroyed the sanctity of uh, yeah. your location that you went to. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. But anyway, there's, you know, over it now. I've been to that place. Uh, with somebody else? With my, one of my, my current, my current. My current? My current, my current. <laughs> my current. And they know, they know, like, uh, <laughs> there's like a weird, not weird history. Shout out to Dan's current. Dan's current. Uh, but yeah, that was lovely. Uh, that, because it wasn't even phased. Yeah. But for like, the stuff you've spoke about with, with your connections to that one relationship and all this stuff of my relationship that happened. When I think about it, it doesn't feel like this like crazy love story. It feels like I was incredibly unwell. Yeah. It feels like an, an illness of my mind that was happening yeah, yeah, yeah. that just so happened to be connected to another human being. Absolutely, yeah. Because yeah. I could replace it with saying... A drug. Yeah. It could be very similar stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. There was always, you know, a spot that I would prefer to go and take my drug. Yeah. Could be replaced with the spot that I like to go the the ex the ex I'm speaking about. Yeah. Um Yeah. I think that's but that's like the the whole problem I think because I would agree with you. I think putting down uh, people and relationships is so much more difficult for putting than putting down drugs. And I don't want to denigrate what we've done by getting sober. That That is an amazing achievement. Absolutely. Um, but society will tell you drugs are bad. Like, yeah. like people will tell you, like everyone will applaud you if you put down heroin or cocaine yeah. or ketamine or weed or whatever it is you're using. People will applaud that. But the opposite is true. People will encourage you to fall obsessively in love with other people. Like people were, everywhere. Yeah. It's like TV, everything we watch tells films, us you need to meet the one. Adverts. Yeah. And you need to fall in love with them. And if you're not with the one and madly in love with them, then you're fucking up at life and you're not doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's so difficult because I don't need much of an excuse to like just fall madly for someone. And like, really, I don't need much of an excuse to do that. And I, I see how problematic it is for me, but I can easily just go, well, you know, everyone else is fucking falling in love. It's a great thing. Yeah, you know, falling yeah, in love, yeah. being romantic with someone and doing like all this kind of stuff and fantasizing about this, this, this kind of ideal that I have in my head of what my perfect relationship would look like. Yeah. And, you know, and, and the, I think the problem I have now to bring it, bring it up to present is that yeah. I'm still, I'm still dating compulsively, just throwing myself in and out of different dating situations. And as soon as the person does or says, or is anything, other than what I expect is what in my mind is the ideal that I should be striving for. Um, I don't want anything to do with them anymore. Uh, and I had this experience very recently, like very recently as in last night where I was with someone and I was in, in my head, we were having an okay time. And in my head, I was like, I don't want to see this person anymore. Um, and it was for very trivial reasons. Um, 
and it, and it's frustrating because I actually I feel like I want to be in a relationship and I want to have you know when you were talking earlier and you were describing the situation that you and your girlfriend are in now it's like that's kind of what I'm striving for that kind of healthy loving not a sense of kind of uh, being chained to someone having that sense of freedom yeah. um, but I don't seem to be able to get it and I'm sure my sponsor would tell me that in my current condition I'm not going to get it and he's been encouraging me to go through a period of, of abstinence from dating apps from sex from uh, you know from everything for a period of time not like loads of time just like he suggested three months and I couldn't even do that I managed about 10 days um and this was last summer uh so I managed about 10 days and then I just sacked it in completely and I was like well obviously I'm not meant to do that but again I would see how beneficial it was because you did a period of abstinence didn't you for when you yeah I did um I did six months celibate Oh, I wanted to do a year, but it's six months. <laughs> Which is still a long time. That is a long time. For a man in his early 20s. A man, a man who's like, at the time I just like moved to Bristol, I was like, uh, was going out sober, partying, getting a bit more confident, chatting to people. I was in probably one of the best shapes of my life. Like I'd been, just, I, I looked fucking great. Mm. I had, had more hair. You look fucking great. Thanks, but I'm more bald now. For, for all the listeners out there, Dan looks fucking great now. <laughs> his, his, his baldingness suits him. Ah, oh, weird, weirdly. Really? <laughs> People say that. It's, it's weird. Really? <laughs> it's weird how much it suits him. Thanks. All right, steady. Sorry. Sorry, shout out to Dan's current. <laughs> <laughs> well, if I forget to bleep out my last name, everyone will know what I look like anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, that's true. This is true. So yeah, I moved to Bristol. I was in great shape. I thought I'm, 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 I'm smashing it. But I was terrified of intimacy. I had a real scared, a real fear of putting it bluntly of having sex. Yeah. Um, again, yeah, I remember that when I got clean, I had a chronic fear of having sex. And I think that was to do with um, again that that installation of if I'm not on drugs, I won't be able to perform. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have a friend of mine um, who'd be interesting to get on here definitely interesting um who had done it for a year he'd been abs- uh, he'd been celibate and drug and drink free for a year just off his own back and just wanted to do that and um he said it was profound and amazing and he'd recommend it to anyone uh was it profound and amazing for you i thought i'd learned a hell of a lot about myself mm. i learned several things i learned that um stopping I'm not a porn addict, but having that as not even an option means that, or not having any form of masturbation as an option means I'm not trying to think of women in a sexual way. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. means that my interactions with women meant I had really no ulterior motive because I'm yeah. like, well, I'm not going to have sex with you. Um, I didn't say that to them. I wouldn't be in a, I wouldn't, <laughs> I would be in a cafe and just be like, can I get a flat white and I'm not going to have sex. By the way, I'm not fucking you after this. <laughs> Imagine you walked around doing that. That would be amazing. Oh, just yeah. so you know, there's nothing going on here. There's so nothing. The, the woman at Sainsbury's behind the table. Just so you know, I'm not having sex. Yeah. How egotistical is that? I know what you're all thinking. I know no, you're thinking I'm not about. having sex with you. Anyway. I am off limits, women. Yeah. Women so, of the world. I'm off the market. 
<laughs> but it didn't stop me from dating. In fact, it, it really? upped the dating app uh, usage because my... Uh, oh, it's so difficult. I was like, ah, oh, I authentically want to hang out with them yeah. without sex. So I want to find the one. So the mission was to find the one. Okay. And this is when, in a real, again, dark period. Now is, in fact, just before... Just before I got in the relationship I'm in now, so like I'd say a couple months, three, four months before, maybe yet a push, give it five months before, and now as the healthiest I've ever been in my relationship to relationships, love, and being uh, uh, being on my own and being comfortable. I would agree. Mm. I think I saw a noticeable change in you during that period in our conversations that we were having. Yeah. Re- really noticeable. And I don't know, I, I think I'd reached an understanding through trial and error. I'd been on like dates with people and been like, uh, they're the one, oh my God, really obsessive. And then they're like, you're intense. And I'll be like, okay. And that happened a few times. So then I was like, oh, yeah, right. I remember those conversations pre-pandemic. Yeah. But there was, def- there was definitely a transition over the pandemic, I felt, from... And talking to you pre and post EFT helped, yeah, really quite a lot. What's EFT stand for? Uh, emotional freedom technique, which is tapping. Oh, the old tapping. I think it just reached boiling point where I was like, I cannot, I cannot be bothered to to put myself through that anymore. Yeah, I took myself so seriously as well, and I kind of, uh, yeah, that kind of. I remember the like the the last date I went on before, or like. One of the last dates I went on before I met the my current. current. <laughs> Shout out to Dan's current. I've said her name already in the past, but this is more amusing. Current's way more funny. Yeah. we. I went on this date and I was like, oh my God, what the hell? It's, it's fucking crazy and overly scary, intense, attractive. I remember this one. Was this... I'm not going to spoil the story, but I think I remember talking to you on the phone about this one, but I was, I was going to bring this up if you weren't. Carry on. Uh, it might not be the same one. It's, it's, like, it's like one of the more later on dates I went on. We went for a nice walk. She had some common uh, like insecurities, yeah. but they were like very insecure. Yeah. And, um, and then the date ended and it was like uh, bad either way. Maybe, maybe it was me. I don't know. Maybe it was... I was in the midst of uh, <laughs> semi-curious uh, conspiracy theorist. Maybe it was that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I love that face. I love that Dan face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but then just like, <laughs> yeah. They, they just don't block me on and everything. On everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. And I'll jump. And I got, oh, I got so fucking angry. I went on, <laughs> went on the dating app. Yeah. Because they hadn't blocked me on there. And I was like, hey. <laughs> Look, you don't want to go on another date. That's fine. Don't want to talk. That is fine. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I feel like it's just rude. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> To just do what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I was, I was angry. Yeah. And obviously they didn't respond. They deleted that and blocked that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, that's so weird. And I was yeah. like, and I got back and I was like, I laughed. I was like, that's just rude. I wasn't, yeah. there, there wasn't, an, this was like a, such a profound turning point for me because I was like, I'm not even... Yeah, being myself up about this. I'm glad that you brought this up because I was going to bring this up because I remember we had a telephone call about this and I was actually in Asda shopping yeah. and we had this telephone call and you told me about this 
And I was like, fucking hell, Dan, Dan's taking this well. I wouldn't have expected him to, I, I reckon a year previously, I don't think he would have had the same response to it. No, I've been like, oh, it's all me. What's wrong with me? Yeah, yeah. Why yeah. can't I find this? Yeah, you know, what? because I think we were saying at the time, we are like, I was like, mate, that's, that's just really rude. Yeah, that's yeah. Just, and then also I was like, because I remember you saying she she had she was quite nervous or anxious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that's the behavior of someone who is really anxious and has no idea or or doesn't have the emotional capacity to say, uh, "I'm really lovely time. Uh, don't perhaps don't want to see you again." And they don't have that capacity to say it because they get so worked up about it. Because yeah. I know plenty of people like that. Um, sometimes yeah. I get like that. But I remember being like. Either that, or she's just rude. So or she's just rude. Yeah, yeah, I can tell. Um, so, yeah, by the time I'd gone on this, um, <laughs> I think I got a bit of a backbone. Yeah. And uh, my current will tell this story to anyone. Is uh, we were talking on uh, the dating app Hinge, and shout uh, to Hinge, and bring lovers together. We hadn't quite found, like the thing that we were bonding on. It was a bit kind of, you know, what you're watching on TV, what, you know. Yeah. This it's kind just, of just the lame chat. Lame kind of, chat. You're kind of flailing around for something that's going to spark yeah. an interest, yeah. And funnily enough, the thing that turned it over is she kind of got a bit bored. I asked her what music she was into and she was like, oh, fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it, it, she just stopped <laughs> responding for a couple of days. She would have said, a few hours that's not true yeah. it was like a couple of days shout out to Dan's corner who's a liar <laughs> <laughs> it was like a couple of days and I was like you know what I was like fuck this I was like is that the end of the conversation then yeah, she yeah. was like who's this fucking guy <laughs> <laughs> and we hadn't stopped talking since yeah she was like if I, if I hadn't have done that you two wouldn't have got together yeah yeah and also she was, oh, she was also going to um, bail on the date, but it was Easter and I bought an Easter egg. She was like, oh, kind of got to go now. Yeah. Yeah. If a man's bought an Easter egg to a date, fuck me, you've got to go to that date. You've got to go to that date. And this is quite helpful, I think, for anyone that's quite insecure about going on dates or anything. Bring I think an Easter the, egg. <laughs> no, don't bring an Easter egg. I think the reason why I bought an Easter egg is because I was, this is, this is what helped me with dating and that fear and the insecurities and the paranoia was I'm just going to go and do something that I want to do with another person. If they don't want to come with me, I might as well go do it anyway. So going for a nice walk to see a view on a not too bad day with an Easter egg on Easter. If she was with me or not, I probably would have gone and done that. So I bought an Easter egg because I work in a place where I could have, you know, I got a discount on an Easter egg. It's a sweet deal. So I think the fact that I was just like, you know, it's not nice. scared of that mm. if, she, if, she, if she was like going to reject that or not. Mm. Um, but then, you know, five minutes into the date, she realized amazing. <laughs> five minutes in? No. The penny dropped. No, I, I think... Five she, minutes in. Five minutes she in. Was like, she was like, fucking hell... Basically, Jesus. Yeah. Nah. This man is a balding Jesus. But I think I was nervous, but I think it. I wasn't nervous anymore about whether it would or wouldn't go wrong. Because the, the difference between, I think, you and me is like, I have a fear with a lot of things that put myself out there. Mm. Going and DJing, 
going on dates, yeah. uh, going to job interviews, yeah. uh, going and networking, socializing with a bunch of people I don't know. Yeah. It's like all that stuff brings me like immense amount of fear. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure it does with a lot of people. It, bring, it brings me immense fear. Yeah, but like I've always found women that'd be very difficult. Yeah, it's like a it's like a strong insecurity that yeah. I'm not good enough. That I think I've become more fearful over the last few years of dating and women and relationships. I think because I've been hurt more, so it's almost like the the trauma memory of previous stuff that's happened. I think yeah. has stung me and made, perhaps made me a bit harder than I need to be. Um, maybe it is. But I, def- I definitely could enter into things with a lot more trepidation than I did previously. But maybe, or maybe I'm just learning to be more boundaryed. Maybe one or the other. Which is not, I think, I think um, if you're going to look at what's happening your, on your journey in positivity, um, I think no matter what you're doing, it is progressing you to become more ready for that moment of acceptance whether you are dating or not because i don't think you're going to find it by forcing it and then rejecting it so i think whatever you're doing is just learning teaching you as long as you're not you know opening up a brothel and dating all the women that you hire it would be a really poor business decision if i just opened up a brothel to date all the prostitutes that i hired yeah i mean i don't know I'm just thinking. Shout out to any brothel owners listening. Keep doing it. We'll get them on. You get. You get you. Them on Stay true to yourself. Um, we're going off on a tangent here, but yeah, I think your your journey, whether it seems confusing or difficult or not, is heading into a, a, a direction that will be beneficial. Otherwise, you know, it's not going to get worse, is it? Jesus. I mean, it could get worse. Yeah, it could. And Don't it say shit like that. <laughs> Don't call some fucked up shit into existence by saying it couldn't get any worse. Is My life's any... actually pretty sick right now. Huh? My life's actually pretty sick right now. Oh, yeah. Mm. Well, then it doesn't have to get worse, does it? No, it doesn't. Well, it could, though. Well, I could, I could, you know, my relationship could get worse. Shout out to Dan's current. <laughs> Don't think it is. He's getting better. Mm. I don't know. Let's stop, stop throwing that around. Um, so, we've been talking for a while. Yeah, probably. So, I think just to kind of round things up, um, I hope this hasn't been too rambly for everyone and that anyone's listening who might have got something from it to know that we're either just barking mad. No, we're not. No, we're not. Well, we are. In, so a good way. Else. in a good way mm. um, and that and the, you're not you're not your own not on your own and there are people that have been through similar things mm. um, but I think the thing that we should touch on briefly is some of the things that we looked at to progress and try and get a better understanding of that difficulty around attachment issues mm. sex sex addiction and whatever it is mm. um do you have any kind of methods of therapeutic methods or 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 lessons or things you've read that have helped you 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did, I think the most beneficial thing I did was explore other 12-step fellowships that dealt specific, because there's, you know, there's a 12-step fellowship for everything. Yeah. So, so I went to Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous, which you did as well. Probably. Yeah, yeah. So I just outed you. There you go. Yeah, it's fine. Sorry. It's fucked your anonymity right there. Yeah, um, twice now. Yeah, sorry, pal. Uh, <laughs> so I, I went to Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous meetings. I read their basic text, so their, their book, um, which was so beneficial so so beneficial particularly the stuff about romantic obsession in there um which kind of describes my my attitudes and behavior perfectly and getting an understanding of how you can have a relationship or romantic relationship and still set boundaries for abstinence yeah. you know, in terms of your behaviors so that was really helpful coda codependence anonymous literature yeah. is probably one of the most is probably the best basic text book i've read i think of all the fellowships. Of all the fellowships. Yeah, I think it's profound. I think it's just because it, it deals on a very deep level with addiction um, to anything. And I think, but I think basically my, my, st- all my stuff comes down to relationships with other people. So not just looking at my romantic relationships, but looking at my dependency on family members, on authority figures in my life, on my friends, my friendship groups, the institutions I'm a part of, um, looking at all that holistically you just get such a great awareness of when you're trying to control a situation or a person or becoming dependent on a particular circumstance or a person in order to be okay. Um, Those were the two most useful things I I found. Um, But also that conversation I have with my dad, which actually is, is very kind of first step of the 12 steps type stuff. And, um, you know, I think one of the, you know, one of the things that I learned from like, you know, when people talk about working a 12 type step program on something, one of the things that I kind of approached with that particular breakup that I really struggled with when I got to a stage where I was willing to accept that it was over, that was kind of like a step one for me. It's like, accept that it's over, it's dead and it's not coming back. And then step two, which was believe that things can be better and there is hope. And then I, there's something is waiting for me that's better later on down the line, whatever that thing is. And then three was just making sure I was asking for help and talking to people about yeah. it and trying to find a program of living that would kind of move me forward rather than looking backwards. So those were the most beneficial things. And meditations, you know, is always helpful for that sort of thing. Shout out to meditation. Shout out to meditation. We'll get them on. We'll get them on, yeah. <laughs> What about you? Uh, yeah, I would, I would mirror the the SLA, and I've done so. Yeah, I've done quite a lot of SLA stuff, which is Sex and Addicts Anonymous. Um, uh, I've, I've worked a step one around it, but gave up when they said I need to be abstinent from all dating for thirty days. And I was like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember there was a girl you were interested in at the time. I remember. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, Nah, she's this could be the one I'm going. Yeah, yeah, um, she wasn't. <laughs> uh, Shout out to the girl that wasn't the one. That that period of time, learning was was great. Step one, I'm sorry, amazing. Read half of the book, attached, which is great. I've got the book. I've read half of that book. Is that all people do? Is read half of that book? Because I was audio booking it, and it's a lot of doing. Yeah, it's yeah. a lot of work, tasks, and workshops. Yeah, I can't deal with tasks. Yeah, I'm not going to sit down and write stuff. I already got someone that can do that. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to do twelve step stuff. Huh? Excuse me, I work the steps. I work the steps. What you think? You think you can give me a task? Yeah. Fuck you. you. Think you can give me a task? 
I, give I should you, read it. Though. I give you tasks. Yeah, I'm the taskmaster. <laughs> well, I've never actually watched that. Anyway, um, listening to podcasts, uh, yeah. talking to people, yeah. talking to you, talking to sponsor. Sorry, I should have mentioned that. Talking to people as much as possible was really. Yeah, helpful. I was on, like, meeting people that have really been in it as well. Whether yeah. they're in the steps or not, whether I had so many friends that struggle with this stuff. So I had to such a, just as a like a very brief tangent, you know, um, you know, the gentleman who shared, did the main share at the meeting last night, um, who is, uh, you listeners won't know this gentleman, but he is uh, a wonderful, crazy, chaotic man. Yeah. And I'm sure he would describe himself as that. Um, but he has this ability to come out with profound things on occasion. And uh, I remember I was in his van and he was driving us back from the meeting and I was talking about this relationship um, that had ended spectacularly and how fucked up I felt about it. And he said to me, and he was like, this was in between like effing and uh, C-bombing about something or other and all this kind of stuff and saying like, well, you know, she just wanted to fuck someone. All this mad stuff he was telling me. And then he went, the thing is, Mark, um, I think what happens when you lose someone that you are in love with is that it tears off a part of your soul and that is incredibly painful and you don't really get that part of your soul back. And I think that's why it's so painful. And I literally said to him at the time, I was like, where the fuck did that bit of Eastern wisdom come from? And he, but, he genu- but he said it sincerely, like, yeah. you know, like in, you know, this was the theory that he had about it, that it tore off a part of your soul. And, but it was, it was so adequately described how I felt at the time that I was like, fucking hell, that's so profound. And then he just reverted back to talking about some birdie shagged or something, some, yeah, yeah, yeah. some kind of insanity that he was Shout talking out to that person. Shout out to that person. I hope you're listening. Who did a, a really wonderful share. Yeah. Um, I was almost surprised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of wisdom in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway. So, so yeah, so going to those meetings, uh, meeting people that, uh, and opening up to my friends, I think that was important. I found friends that really could, I could connect with and speak to regularly. I'd have like daily or weekly phone calls, period of abstinence. Uh, I think that celibacy, I know I didn't really talk about it much, maybe because I, I couldn't really find the way to open up about it, but I learned a lot about myself. Have being away, uh, I did have periods of time when I had a break from dating as well, quite long, you know, in and out, in and out uh, periods of breaks and that. And I think that's really beneficial, just to be like, I can do this. I can mm. be on my own. And I know a lot of people that haven't been single for as long as I've known them. You know, whether yeah, it's yeah, yeah. just endless relationships after relationships, hopping from lily pads to lily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so therapy, getting therapy, finding different, different forms of therapy, I find really helpful. Um, facing love addiction by P melody is a great book. Yeah. I think I've got that on audio book. Yeah. Pretty dark. Yeah. You know, it goes from, you know, it's, it goes from like that kind of obsessive need to talk to them all the time mm. to not being able to, uh, uh, break up with a person that like sexually assaults you and beats you and I'm yeah, like yeah, yeah. okay yeah, yeah okay I'm not quite there so yeah 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 um, but yeah I guess it has to give all sorts of ends of the spectrum but really if I'm going to be profound and woke it's just being honest with yourself mm. and saying it's okay that I struggle with this stuff and yeah. I'm not on my own 
and that there is help for me out there. Yeah. Um, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful way to end it. I think. Yeah. So I guess, well, well, if this is the first part, yeah, we'll get, we'll get hopefully a guest on that, um, we can interrogate, interrogate about their issues with sex, love, attachment. Yeah. I think if they were to come on, it'd be great because I've spoken to them before and they are very enthusiastic about what they learned about themselves. Uh, and that's really, really wonderful to see. Mm. Shout out to that person. You'll fuck up the series if you don't come on. So <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. In your hands. No pressure. No pressure. Anyways. Yeah. So if, if you're listening, I'll try to remember to uh, put links to those recommended books. I don't know if we should be putting links to the anonymous. I think that's kind of the anonymous pages. Yeah, put them on. You sure? Why wouldn't you? I don't know. Outside issues, isn't it? Nah, fuck it, put them on. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to remember. Anyway. So, yeah, I'll put some links in uh, to this. And, um, yeah, just, you know, don't be scared. <laughs> don't be scared. And if you don't have any attachment issues, well, crack on. Fuck are you listening to us for then? Yeah. If you haven't got any issues, yeah. go go help someone else. Yeah, yeah. If you're stop, so, stop wasting time listening to us and go help some fucker. Yeah, if you're so, if you're so okay. <laughs> That's a, an aggressive way to end the podcast. No, no, let's no. go back to don't be scared. Yeah, yeah, I'll go back to that. Don't be scared. Look after yourselves. We'll catch you on the next episode with hopefully our guest. Mm-hmm. If we don't have the guest, then we'll be talking about how what bitch that person was. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we'll be talking about for one hour, how resentful we are that that person didn't come yeah, on. Yeah, resentments. Yeah, resentments. That's a good topic. That is a good topic. Anyways, see you later. Love you. Bye. Love you. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.